We are talking about how to develop a strong spirit. And I can tell you in our church, it is going on big in our church. God wants you strong in him and in in the power of his might. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 20. We're going to jump off here. We've went in depth over this scripture, but I want to just kind of bring it up and read it. We're setting a stage from where we're going tonight. If you want more in-depth teaching, I would encourage you. This is message five, so there's four other uh, sessions in this series uh, that'll really lay a foundation. And I want to encourage you, all of these messages that the Lord has me teach and speak and preach, all of them are designed to equip all of us to walk out God's plan for our life and to strengthen us so that we could lay hold of the plan of God for our lives. So you can't listen to him enough. By the way, I become a better preacher every time you listen. So about the second, third, fourth, or fifth time, you'll be like, wow, Pastor Tony, is he's getting better as I'm listening. And the reason why that's happening is because the word increases. So it's awesome. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, and on the board, if we could put that up in the Amplified Classic version, because I want to read that version. It brings out some things. I love this. It says, my son, attend to my words. Here's a big statement. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing and health to all their flesh. If, you, if you're taking notes, you could write about these verses that we just read, these three verses. This is talking about completely immersing yourself in the word of God. That's what this is talking about. That God's desire for you is to completely be immersed in his word. And then verse 23, it says, Keep and guard your heart with all diligence, or with all vigilance, as the Amplified says. And above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. In the Hebrew language, it it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of your life. That Hebrew word literally means the boundaries of your life. In other words, your heart sets the boundaries. So, So God is saying, as you immerse yourself in his word, you're going to expand your boundaries. Well, if this is your boundary and the blessing is here, you'll never be able to see it. But as you expand it, see, a lot of people are struggling going, I know there's something for me to do, but I don't know what God has for me to do. I'm having trouble with this. The problem is your boundaries are too small. Because God calls you to to do things according to his ability. There's a divine call on your life, your financial life. God wants you to live on a higher level than probably you can imagine. In your health, same thing. If you need healing tonight, God has divine healing for you. But that's not where he wants you to stop. He wants you to go from divine healing to where all the sickness is out of your body and now you're walking in divine health. He doesn't even want you to stop there. He wants you to walk in his divine life. Where now the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus is quickening your mortal body so if you come in contact with something, it kills it. That's what he wants. It's, it's just a higher level. So this is how it all works. Remember 3 John 2, we prosper and we're in health even as our soul prospers. So that's why we need to develop our spirit so that we're not flesh-ruled or we're not ruled by an unrenewed mind, right? See, when you see God's word, that's when you get revelation knowledge of it, right? Here's, Here's a big thing. If something in the word of God is old to you, like if, you, if you're like, oh man, he's going to talk about Proverbs chapter 4 again. 
then, then we're really talking to you because if it's old to you, you don't have a revelation of it. Because if you have a revelation of it, it'll never get old and you'll keep peering deeper. Another way to say that is if it's old to you, then it's not real to you. Right? God wants his word to be real to you. So you're in Proverbs 4. Another scripture we went through in the past is Proverbs chapter 18 in verse 14. Proverbs 18, 14. It says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Literally means it will, it will hold him. It'll hold him during an infirmity. It'll contain him. It'll supply and maintain him in his infirmity. It says, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? The amplified classic of that verse, it says it this way. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain and trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? See, Proverbs, if you keep going, in Proverbs 24, verse 10, it says this. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. There is nothing weak or small about what God has for you. So this is a huge thing. So now jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. It says this, Paul talking about Paul talking about us as believers. Remember, we are a three-part being. I am a spirit. I possess a soul which is, which is comprised of my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I live in a physical body. I'm not a body, right? I live in one. I'm a spirit being, just like my father. I've been made in the likeness and image of God. So it says here, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishes. This word perish, it literally means progressively and completely decays. Because of the curse that is still, we haven't been redeemed, we, we haven't got the fullness of our salvation yet. What that means, we've got the earnest, our spirit's been made new, but our flesh is still progressively decaying, right? But it's not to decay to where we're weak or sick. We're not, to, not that way. But then it goes on to say, yet the inward man is renewed, in the Greek, it would be progressively being made new. Another, another Greek definition of this would be, yet the inward man is being caused to grow up and given new strength and vigor. God wants you to be continually strengthened, right, in the Lord. Continually. Constantly. In the Amplified Classic of this verse, it says it this way, Therefore we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Man, I'll tell you, has that ever described how people are living? Right? Therefore, we, we who know the Lord, we who know his word, we do not become discouraged. Well, what does that word mean? Utterly spiritless. That means if I'm discouraged, I'm living completely out of my flesh. I'm not living out of my spirit. Completely uh, spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. That's not us. Though our outward man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed Day after day. If your spirit, see, you got to realize this. If your spirit could be renewed and built up, your spirit can also be depleted. Right? 
And that's what we got to be careful. We have a lot of Christians that don't know what the problem is. They think the problem's their job. They think the problem's what's going on around them. They think the problem is the political arena. They're looking for all these reasons. All, you know, the way I was raised, the side of the tracks that I grew up on. But none of that's the problem. The problem is there is an enemy. And, but the good news is that enemy's been stripped. The bad news is, though, if you don't realize it, he will take advantage of you, right? So this is huge. We can't allow our spirit man to become weakened. How does it get weak? It so parallels the physical because if you don't feed, if you don't nourish your spirit, if you don't exercise your spirit, it will be weakened. But man, if you're sitting here tonight feeling weak, I've got great news for you. You could start a process that will begin to strengthen your spirit that can go 24-7 and just change everything. As your spirit gets strengthened, it's like the light gets turned up in your life to where all of a sudden, where nothing seems possible and everything's going wrong, all of a sudden, the Mount Everest of your life look like anthills and you realize, wow, wait a minute, I am more than a conqueror. Right? I've messed this deal up, but that's okay. I, God's got a future for me, and it's, it's right here, and he will bring it to pass. Right? The Bible says, commit your way to him, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. It's not up to you to bring it to pass. You and I can't. Isn't that good news? That's why the highest expression of faith, it's rest. Oh, this needs to be preached. You need to be renewed spiritually just like you need to be renewed physically, right? Think about how you would be if you stopped eating any nutrition, right? Think of how your body feels when you stop moving, no exercise. I remember I was a trainer in a gym in the, literally, when I, right, I, was, I was in high school, I got this job so I didn't have to work at four McDonald's right before I graduated, like a couple weeks before I graduated. And I was a trainer in a gym, and I would, uh, it was by an exclusive retirement community, and it was kind of close to a Marine base. So I'd have a lot of Marine pilots during the day, uh, and, and I'd also have a lot during the day, a lot of elderly people that would come and work out. And, well, I loved elderly people, so I would just work all these people out. And, and you'd see a guy, guy coming in, literally 85 years old, lifting free weights, just ripped. You can now, he looked 85, but his body didn't look 85. And, you know, as I got to know these people, I, I would work out people, they'd come in with arthritis, I'd have to help a lady down on a bench press, and, and, and people are like, what are you doing that lady's 80 years old, and you're putting her on a bench press. A machine, not, not free weight, but a machine. And, you know, and we would, I mean, start out with hardly anything. And, and pretty soon, I wasn't helping her when she came in. She could bend down. She could, and, and here was the overwhelming thing that a bunch of guys told me one day. They would literally work out every day. They'd, they'd go ballroom dancing every night. They were doing, I mean, they were just active. And they said this, when you get older... Whatever you, don't lose, whatever you don't use, you'll lose. So we've got to keep moving. But see, then we come to church and we don't exercise. Right? And so when worship starts, you know, instead of jumping up, we're, you know, we haven't moved. So we're like, oh, gosh. Oh. You know, and then, and then it's like, man, is that pastor done preaching yet? Come on, he's been going for like 25 minutes, right? So it's because we're not exercising. You need to be renewed spiritually just like you need to be renewed physically, right? Could you imagine if you guys didn't eat anything for three or four days? This might be kind of a boring meeting because you'd all be sleeping. You're like, man, I'm just wiped out. No nutrition, but yet people will go... A long time and never read the word of God, right? So it takes spiritual strength, I've said this almost every service now, to lay hold 
of God's promises and it takes spiritual strength to resist the devil. Without spiritual strength, you'll start buying his lies, get your eyes off the Lord, and the thing you're believing for, the thing his word says he's given you, you'll think you can't have it. And you'll start thinking crazy thoughts like, well, maybe, you know, maybe God, he's sovereign, maybe he has a different plan for my life, or, you know, I just never laid hold of it before. Why would I think it would start, it'd be any different now? I've just, you know, and you'll start looking at yourself, looking at God, looking at your circumstances wrong. So remember, spiritual strength, it'll take spiritual strength to lay hold of the promise and spiritual strength to say no to Satan and keep your eyes on, on God and keep your eyes, be excited that, man, I've already, I believed I received, I know I'll have, right? This is huge. You must have spiritual endurance. So now turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 6, and this was a foundational scripture. Again, for some reason, this is the Amplified Classic night. I want to read this in the Amplified Classic because it brings out some of the parenthetical definitions in the Greek. So it says this, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. It says, if you lay all these instructions before the brethren, talking, this is Paul writing to a young pastor. He says, you'll be a worthy steward and a good minister of Christ Jesus. It's interesting, he's basically saying, Timothy, if you preach the whole word of God, you're going to be a great minister. But then, then he jumps and he tells where all that's going to come from, ever nourishing yourself. Ever nourishing your own self. Do you know tonight I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit is the teacher, but you have to nourish yourself. You could say no to every bit of it, right? Or, or you can embrace it. Now here's the cool thing. You don't have to totally understand it to embrace it. To be honest with you, you just have to make a decision. You know what? I'm willing. I'm obedient. I don't really know what he's talking about, but God, I'm in. You tell me to jump, I'm going to say how high, and I'm going to trust you to help me jump. That person will always go over in life, right? So it says here, nourishing your own self on the truths of the faith and of the good Christian instruction which you have closely followed. In other words, you're a great minister if you preach this word, which is a result of you being nourishing your own self on the word, right? That's what it's all about. So nourishing yourself. That was number one. The key to spiritual development and spiritual growth, you have to nourish yourself on what? On the word of God. I can't say that enough. Amen. But see, I'm telling you, you could eat perfectly. You could eat perfectly, but if you never exercise, you're not going to get stronger. You'll be, you'll be able to maintain, you might be able to maintain some health, but you're not going to get stronger. Right? Show me a person who's 75, 80 years old that has never exercised, even though they've eaten perfectly, they, they might move and they might do things, but if you looked at their life between 40 and 80 or whatever age, they're, they're not stronger. They're not getting stronger. God wants you to get stronger. When you go home to be with the Lord, you should be at the pinnacle of, of spiritual strength. To the point where you're going, you know what? I'm satisfied. I've done everything God wants me to do. Pull your family around you and say, you know what? I'm believing God to go home. I'm done. Things are going to be okay. God's going to be with you. I'll see you in a little while. Right? That's God's goal. It's not as you get older, well, I just am not as effective as I used to be. No, no. You're to be more effective. You're to be more effective. The path of the righteous is one of increase. It does not ever say, except for the fact you're getting older, so you should not be. No, no, you should always be growing and getting stronger spiritually. Right? So this is interesting. It says here in verse 7, 
but refuse and avoid irreverent legends, profane and impure godless Facebook stories. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just had a mental thing there. Godless fictions, mere grandmother tales, and silly mythology. No, and myths, it says. Right? And express your disapproval of them. Express your disapproval. Now, does that mean that's it? You know, I'm just going to go bash everything. No, no. You express your disapproval to yourself. You hear something on TV, I don't believe that. That's a lie. Right? I'm watching a football game, or here you go. I'm watching the channel that sucks. It sucks you in. The Hallmark Channel. That is not my diabetes. That is not my depression. No. I mean, talk to your TV. No, that's not right. I don't believe that. You express your disapproval. Not, not, we're not bashing anybody, right? You just, you use your mouth to keep Satan out of your life. Because if you don't, these thoughts will start growing. And it's amazing how all of a sudden you don't realize what you're saying, right? It says here, that right after that it says, train yourself towards godliness. Train yourself. Have you ever trained for any kind of physical, like a sports team or whatever? Man, you know, when football season's starting, you don't get, you, well actually, you would, I'd get real excited right up until the first practice. And you're like, are you kidding me? You're going to torture me two times a day in all this heat, right? Basketball. Do you know when I played basketball, it was bring the buckets out time. Because when basketball practice started, you're just running. Hey, I came to play basketball. Yeah, we'll get to the basketball part, right? We're going to run you silly to see if you really want to be on this team, right? Training sometimes is not fun. Sometimes you might sit here and go, have you ever said, man, I just don't have time to work out? You know how many Christians say, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. No, no, you don't have time not to. You make time. You put that first. You nourish yourself. You train yourself towards godliness. Keeping yourself spiritually fit. You train yourself. When that car cuts you off, you're in training. Your flesh wants to say one thing, but you know to be led by the Spirit, you have to be led by the inside. And you start telling everybody else what they should be doing on the road, and pretty soon, you're going to have your eye off the ball. And you're going to start living out of your flesh. Right? Your husband, your wife does something wrong, and all of a sudden, they are your problem. Be careful with that, because when you start living from the outside and letting that move you, then that sickness that knocks on your door or comes illegally into your life, you might sit here and, and be moved by that too, and we're not to be moved by that. See, it all, it's all connected. It says, for physical training is of some value, useful for a little, but godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way. Why? Because it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life which is to come. Pastor, are you kidding me? See, is, is physical exercise important? It's very important for this life. Right? But you might have 18-inch biceps down here, but guess what? When you get there, you're not taking any of that with you. Right? Now, you won't worry about that because, you know, you're going to look really good in a glorified body. But spiritually, everything you develop spiritually goes with you. Everything. To be honest with you, you could say that this is a training ground for what you're going to do in eternity. Because guess what? You're going to walk in love. You're going to walk by faith. You're going to be strengthened inwardly in the Lord. The Holy Spirit is still going to be within you. He's going to be with you. He, God has a plan for you in eternity. 
right? And But everything you do here will go with you spiritually. That's amazing. It says this saying is reliable and worthy of complete acceptance by everybody. Wow. So we're seeing nourishment and exercise. These are two keys. And we're seeing a great parallel between physical development and spiritual development. There's so many things that parallel it. So let's talk real quick about the nourishment part. We've talked a little bit about that. In other words, you can eat spiritually just like you eat physically. You must feed your spirit daily to be strong. You have to feed your spirit just like you got to feed your body daily. Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus was being tempted, he answered Satan and said, it is written, and he quoted Deuteronomy 8, 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Have you noticed some of the babies in this place? You could always tell when a baby's hungry. You could always tell when a three or a five-year-old is hungry. Papa, 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 it doesn't matter what you're doing. I want food right now, right? And, and they grow, but that's the way we're to be spiritually. Notice it says as newborn babes, we're to desire. Have you ever seen a hungry baby? Do you, what, what is a hungry baby like? They are single focused on one thing. Give me food. That's how we are to be with the word of God. See, does, does even that statement make you realize, oh, so now I can understand why I'm being moved by circumstances and being moved by things. Maybe I'm not nourishing myself right. Jeremiah, I love this one. Jeremiah 15, 16. It says, thy words were found. In other words, Jeremiah is saying, I found your words and I did eat them and your word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Wow. Isn't that amazing? For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I love Job 23 in verse 12. Job 23, 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job is saying, I want, I'm esteeming his word more important than my earthly food meal. Right? There's a hunger Nourishment for the inner man is from God's word. In other words, we're saying God's word is to your spirit what food is to your physical body. And I could tell you this, you're a spirit being and your spirit, if you'll start feeding your spirit, it will get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. It'll just keep, it just it desires to know God. The only reason why you have no desire is because you're not feeding yourself. That's the one difference between physical hunger and spiritual hunger. When your spirit is hungry, your flesh is just loud and pushing you and driving you and your emotions will be driving you to the point where you don't sense any hunger. You just think you don't have a desire for God. And Satan will even talk to you about that. You don't even desire God. And you'll look at your feelings and go, yeah, you're right. But I challenge you, just start feeding. See what happens to you. Pretty soon you stop putting up with this nonsense. Because you'll see what we're talking about. There's a hunger for the child of God. Because of who you are, who you've been made in Christ, you'll start hungering. And I'm telling you, it's wonderful. Your spirit has an appetite and can get weak when you don't eat, just like your body. We said this, I think, in week one or two, that a good appetite is a sign of good health. No appetite, many times, is a sign that you're sick, right? 
When you are doing good spiritually, you'll have a hunger for God and a hunger for his word. You'll have a love for the people of God, a love for his church. All this stuff works. When you're depleted in spirit, your desire for God and for his word seem to be gone. They're not gone, but they seem to be gone. And what happens is you live in selfishness and self-centeredness. You live out of your flesh and the enemy is able to just lead you down a wrong path. But it doesn't matter if you're going down a wrong path. If you'll change and let God get you back on the path, all, everything can change. I love Acts 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. The word of God says this, Acts 20, 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word of God is able to build you up and literally hand you your inheritance. The word of God does that. Nothing else can do that. That's why in this church, we will always preach the word. They'll say, man, you got to have shorter services. You got to have less scripture. You can't talk about some certain things and all this stuff. That's all baloney. People need the word of God. We all need the word of God. We're going to stick to the word. And I'm telling you, people will come out of the woodwork to hear it. They just will. Those who are hungry. And I'm telling you, we're living in a season, if the harvest was ripe when Jesus was on the earth, how ripe is it today? I'm telling you, people are freaking out. They're hurting. But they have no answer. They don't know who to trust anymore. You know, for a while through this pandemic, people were kind of trusting the media. They were trusting what certain politicians were saying. Now, Everybody's kind of going, I don't know what to believe. Well, I got news for you. You got to be careful what you're watching on Christian TV because a lot of that stuff is just a person's agenda too. This is what we keep our word on, our eyes on. The word of God, it will be a lamp to our feet and a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It will show us which way to go and it'll show us what to do. This, it's the truth. I don't really care what somebody's opinion is politically. I don't really care. It's no, there's no life in it. Right? Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? I am a Christian. I'm about righteousness. Well, who's your candidate? I've got a candidate and I'm passionate about him. His name is Jesus. I'm not going to be encumbered by a lot of this other stuff because I know that i got to keep my eye on the ball. I want God to come heal our land. Every year, I want, to, I want him to heal our land. I want him to heal my family. I want him to heal this city. I want him to heal this state. And it's not going to come any other way. But starting with us, we have to be strong spiritually. Because we've got to be able to lay hold of the plan of God for our life and we've got to be able to resist the devil so we don't buy his lies so we can walk it out. Otherwise, we'll be praying for our country, but we won't be praying effectively. You know, whatever we do, we're out there in our own ability and our own strength, whatever. I don't want that. I did that too long. No life. No life in it. God loves you. He wants to heal your family. He wants to make you a better husband. He wants you to make you, make you a better wife, a better parent. He wants you to be the minister that you're to be in the earth for this season of your life. He doesn't want you to waste any time, be encumbered by outside things. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death, right? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So this, the word of God, how do I receive the word? The whole Bible is to be interpreted under the light of his grace and faith. Keep those two words in, in mind. Grace and faith. Everything is to us by the grace of God through the faith of God. 
What do you mean by that, Pastor? Everything that God has done, everything he's given us, salvation, healing, everything, he gave it to us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. He all gave it to us by his grace. We lay hold of it through his faith that comes from hearing his word. Right? So this is very important. God's word must be ministered by grace in faith so that it will nourish your spirit. I can't do that in my own natural ability. So every time I teach, I'm completely relying on him. And in the midst of Tony, if I'll just stay out of his way, it's amazing what he could communicate. But it has to be ministered by grace and in faith. So when I'm coming to minister to you, I minister. What do I mean minister by grace? I'm ministering. I'm relying completely on his ability. And I'm ministering in faith. As I look at you tonight, I believe that you can lay hold of everything that God has for you. That's how come you're never going to have me beat you up here. Because I wouldn't be in faith. Has God ever beat you up about anything? No. Why? Because he believes. He believes in you. He knows what he's placed in you. He knows you. He doesn't see you as you seem. He sees you as you really are. And that's why the Holy Spirit tonight is here. He is the teacher, and I'm telling you, he's not mad at you. He wants to just get everything over to you, and he is thoroughly convinced that you can get everything that he has for you. He's thoroughly convinced that his mercy is greater than your disobedience. He's thoroughly convinced. And I'm telling you, as you start living your life like that, all of a sudden, everybody will get better looking. They'll get happier, because you're seeing them as they can be, as they should be, as they really are, not as they seem right now because they may be looking at wrong things. Have you ever looked at wrong things? When I see somebody who's worrying, man, I could see that a mile away. Why? I've worried. I've written books on that, right? I could tell if a a person has a problem with alcohol. I could tell 800 miles away. Why? I grew up in an alcoholic home. I know exactly what that looks like. I know exactly what suicide looks like in a teenager because I've been around it. I know exactly what depression looks like in a teenager. I know exactly worthlessness. Oh, I could see that a million miles away in people. Why? Because I've been there. But I'm telling you why. The reason why I could see it so clear now is because I'm not there anymore. So I could minister to somebody by the grace of God, in the faith of God, knowing that that, all things are possible. There's no sickness that can't be healed. There's no financial situation that can't be fixed. There's There's nothing. All things are possible to him who believes. This is the environment. I hope I'm saying this right. This is the environment where your spirit could be nourished. I'm real leery about people that go to Bible studies around people that have no ownership in their life. Be careful. Be careful with people who may have no ownership in your life telling you what to do. Because you know what? If they're wrong, guess how it affects them? It doesn't. But you get around people that love God with all their heart and love you and have ownership, now you're in a safe environment. Does that make sense? This is huge. This is such a big part of spiritual development because we have people that will sit and they will watch the greatest teaching gifts on the planet, but they're not getting nourished because they're not, they're not receiving things by grace and they're not receiving anything through faith. They're hearing all this stuff, but it's not nourishing them. So the person ministering needs to be nourishing them, doing his part or her part. But when you receive, man, you got to come in this place and go, you know what? God's given everything to me by his grace. And I'm here. Father, I'm here. I, I, I have ears to hear so that when I hear your word, I'll, faith will be birthed and I'll receive it tonight. 
and that, that'll nourish you. You could sit in a church that preaches the word for 50 years and still be a baby because you really never got nourished. It's like, it's like you're taking this protein shake that has the greatest nutrition in the world. Guess what? It would do you no good if you drank, you, took, you filled your mouth with it, washed it around in your mouth a little bit and spit it out. It wouldn't nourish you. Try that if you want. Just the next week, just when you eat, chew your food and spit it out. Never digest it. See if you get nourished at all. You wouldn't. But Christians are doing that. You might as well be going to a church and eating junk food. God heals some and not others. That's junk food. Right? Well, you never just never know what God's going to do. That's junk food. No nourishment in that. Right? It is only words of grace and words of faith that will nourish and build up your spirit. That's why when you're reading the word of God, read it out loud. When you read something, you're reading the Bible and you're like, man, all things are possible to me who, you know, to those that believe. When you're reading your Bible, finish that. Father, I believe that. All things are possible. I mean, that's the way you read the Bible. It's not like this. That's, no, that's very little nourishment. Now, reading the word is better than not reading the word. But man, when you read it interactive, right? Brother Hagen, when he would preach, he would say, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Some services, man, I've been in services where people are clapping, they're yelling, but what happens in some, some people get upset about that. There was one lady at Ramah. Man, I was so excited for her. She, every time she'd come to church, she would sit in, in, in the sanctuary, and she's like, tell it. Tell it like it ought to be told. <laughs> Amen to that. Versus, oh, I'm, my, I'm a good little Christian. You know, this is so nice. Pastor, oh, it's just, he has such a soothing voice. Tell it. Tell it. Yeah, there we go. She's like, tell it. <laughs> so you must... You, you must receive. See, I, you got me. Yeah, there we go. Okay, Jeanette, there we go. All right. That's awesome. So we talked about how to minister the word. This is how you receive the word of God. Now let me reel you back in, right? Laughter nourishes you, though. It's really good. You must receive the word of God in the spirit of grace and in the spirit of faith for it to nourish you. That's so important. You can preach God's word with the wrong spirit and literally minister condemnation and unbelief to people. Do you know how many pastors are frustrated and they get in a pulpit and they minister out of frustration and that, that can deplete you, Right? In the same way, if you come to church really frustrated and you're receiving it, not in the spirit of faith, but you're just frustrated, it, it just, you can sit and you could hear the greatest thing in the world and still get depleted. So this is why we have to talk about this. Many are in church hearing God's word and are not nourished by it because of the way that they're hearing it. They're not hearing it from a place of grace, right? For some people, they're in so much spiritual pride, they think it's all about them, and so they're cut off. They're not hearing it. In a, a spirit of grace is saying, I don't deserve this. I didn't earn it. I can't earn it. This was just given to me. Because what happens in that person's life is they realize my faith walk, my whole life is not about me. It's about Jesus, and so now all things are possible. Because if any of your faith walk become about you, guess what? You'll mess up. And then you'll think, oh, shoot, I can't get healed. No, that's not true. Amen. Right? So this is why this is important. 809. So let me read. Go to John chapter 6. Let me read a sermon that Jesus preached that has so much revelation in it, but it wasn't a real popular deal. John chapter 6, we'll start in verse 30. We're just going to skim this story. But it says here, here's Jesus. 
They said, therefore, unto him. Now, who are they? They are people that just saw Jesus feed 5,000 men and their families. That's who these people are. They just saw a great miracle. They said, therefore, unto him, Jesus, what sign are you going to show us? What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe you? What dost thou work? Jesus, okay, we saw this miracle, but, but now what sign are you going to show us so that we'll believe? That's incredible. I'm thinking, feeding five, that's like 20,000 people, right? From five loaves and two fishes. But this is how crazy. Now, we can relate to this because we sit under the word and know Jesus is a healer and know he's good all the time, and yet we'll still get in a pity party. It's kind of the same thing, right? Actually, it's kind of worse for us because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. At least these people weren't even born again. And then it says this. So now they're continuing. What sign, Jesus? He said, our fa- they said to him, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. And look at this. Do you see a little spiritual pride here? As it is written. Right? He gave them bread from heaven to eat. I mean, they're kind of sticking out their chest and going, you know, we just quoted a scripture here, Jesus. And then look at what Jesus, then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, which means most assuredly, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and giveth life, this word life is the Greek word zoe, unto the world. Then said they unto the Lord, they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. So they're they're like, Jesus, that's awesome. So Lord, give us this bread. So here's Jesus, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth not on me shall, or he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. I mean, Jesus is right in their face. I am the bread. The Father sent me, if you eat me or drink me, you will never, you'll never be hungry and you'll never thirst. Now, this is kind of where the sermons start, and then Jesus is like, but yet you don't believe. Kind of calls him out a little bit, right? And then it says this, now let's, uh, we'll jump here. Verse 41 The Jews, it it said a bunch of stuff, but look at the progression. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? Now look at verse 48. See, they were treating him as common. So there was a profound statement, I am the bread. Okay? And and so this is happening. This is kind of like people reading, what? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you'll have them? They don't take the time to peer into that word so that they could get revelation of it. They immediately jump in their mind and go, wait a minute. You know, grandma so-and-so didn't get her healing or what, you know. This is what's happening right here. Jesus said in verse 48, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. 
This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Think about that. Jesus is explaining an incredible truth that we know and live in. It says, if any man eat, that's a little vague. In the Greek language, it would read like this. If any man eat and keep on eating of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. Could you imagine their faces right then? Say what? Did he just say we're going to eat his flesh? That's cannibalism. Right? which I will give for the life of the world. The, jo- the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how, the, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Could you imagine? They're like, I'm out. I'm not eating this guy. I'm not drinking his blood. I'm not a cannibal. I am out of here. When all the time Jesus is speaking truth. But they didn't stay around to really see. What does Mark chapter 4 say that the person who has ears to hear? They come back and they say, Jesus, wow, you said something that was really good. Can you explain that to me? They didn't do that. There's none of that. Right? Right? He goes on, whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood hath eternal life. So he could, you could probably see their faces. What does Jesus do? Does he back off? No, because I'm, I'm here to do the will of God. God's telling me to say this. I'm saying this. Hath eternal life, and I will raise him up that last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He says it again. He that eats my flesh. I mean, are you starting to get that Jesus is going, I'm I'm not backing down. I know you're not happy with what I'm saying, but I'm here to do the will of my Father. I'm here to serve you, so I have to tell you the truth. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him as the living Father hath sent me and I live by the Father. I mean, they never called God their Father. But this guy is saying, I've come from God. Wow. So he that eats me, even he shall live by me. Now, now put this in context. What are we talking about? To grow spiritually, you have to eat and keep on eating Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? He's right here. So if you read this under the light of what you know as a Christian, wow. He that eats me shall live by me. So if I meditate in the word day and night, it will cause me to live by him. See, this is like, this is the message, but these people are missing it. But man, I have goosebumps on top of goosebumps because I've been eating him and drinking his blood for a long time, all the time. Right? Am I a cannibal? No. This is not talking about natural things. This is spiritual food. Wow. This is, he, this is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. Have you eaten of the bread? You're going to live forever. And I'm talking live. Zoe. The essence and very life of God. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When the Jews knew, or when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? You would think, Today, pastors would be going, hey, wait, no, let me take you to lunch. Don't leave the church. But Jesus is like, does this offend you? The answer to that is it shouldn't, right? Wow. I got so excited, I lost my place. 
right? So then it says this in verse 62, what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? I love verse 63. We we quote it all the time. It is the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's why you must nourish yourself constantly to live in him, to know him, to walk in the life of God. You've got to eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood. I've been made worthy by the blood of Jesus. I've been born again by the incorruptible blood of Jesus. I've been made righteous. Verse 68, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have words of life. And we believe and are sure that you are that Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm telling you, I would encourage you to start reading that. Because to be strong to lay hold of your inheritance, to walk out God's plan for your life, you must, you must, you must daily partake of the word of God. You must daily eat of his flesh and daily drink of his blood. Daily. The Bible says we're to meditate. Literally, it means to mutter over and over. It gives you a picture of a a cow chewing his cud. So you must eat the flesh and drink the blood, chew it up, swallow it, bring it back up, eat it and chew it and swallow it and bring it back up. And as you do that, what happens is the Holy Spirit will open that living bread on the inside of you and the life of God will permeate through your whole existence. It'll change everything. The word does the work. Don't try, to, don't try to lay hold of your healing on your own. Right? Because when you look at him and eat him and nourish yourself, and then we're going to talk next week about how to exercise yourself. Man, you could lay hold of everything. This is, this is truth. We don't have time to preach anything else. Right? Jesus said this, and I'm, I'm about to close here. John 15 Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Jump down to verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. He is where life comes from. Anything good you see in me is because of him. Any life that comes out of me, it's coming from him. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings, more, brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So in other words, we have to daily draw from the vine. See, here's the deal. Spiritually, you don't die if you don't eat. You just get weaker and weaker. Most believers don't have a revelation of the fact that you have to feed daily. You can't spend all your time just on worldly stuff. And what's worldly stuff? It's anything that's not the word of God. Isaiah 43, or Isaiah 40, verse 31. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll close with this scripture. But they that wait, this means to stay in a place of expectancy. It literally means I'm binding myself to God. I'm staying in this place of expectancy. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Why? This word gives you a picture in the Hebrew language of being bound together by twisting. Why is your strength renewed? Because of him. It's Romans 8.11. This is Romans 8.11. The spirit of God with the same power that he raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. 
But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint. If you haven't, you've, I've said this so many times, but if you've never written this down, write this down. You hunger after what you feed on. You don't want to feed on the wrong thing because you don't want to start hungering after the wrong thing. You want to feed on the word of God so that all of a sudden you'll start seeing who he really is. You'll start seeing who you really are in him. And you'll know that my past never is going to dictate my future. That all things are possible to me. That he, the blessing of God is upon me. He's empowered me to walk in this earth in victory and in triumph. The primary way you will know God and walk in fellowship with him is through his word. God's word is literally spiritual food. And that's how you nourish. Well, I'll tell you, I get excited about this. I get excited about what God is doing in our lives together. Show me a person that is feeding on the word of God. I'll show you a person that loves his brothers and his sisters, is concerned about their lives, right? And is not moved by anything they see and all things are possible to them. We help each other. Remember this, guys. We get everything together. We don't get it alone. Amen?